This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello? Hello, is James there? Hello? <clears throat> hello? 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 Hi, this is James. You've reached my voicemail. Please leave a message and I'll be back to you never. James, it's Steven Silas, your coach with the Houston Rockets. How are you? Listen, I just wanted to tell you that the nothing personal word of the day today is space. And I'm giving you all the space in the world like enough space that you and Terry Verts could talk. But I just want to make sure. Hello? Hello? James, is that you? Hello? Yes, is James there? Uh, yes, this is, this is, hello, this is Jay. Turn down the music. Yes, this is, who is this? Hello? J- James, this is Coach Silas. How are you doing? Uh, I- I'm, I'm good, Steve. How are you? Uh, little baby, could you just hold on one second? Hello? What? Yes, no. Yeah, I, training, James, James, this is Coach Silas. The nothing personal word of the day. What's nothing personal? This is totally personal. You're bothering me while I'm at a party. No, no, the nothing personal, it's a show. The nothing personal word of the day is space because I'm giving you your space, James. I've been trying to reach you because we started training camp on Saturday and you're not here. How could I be there when I'm here? I'm right here. Lou, I'll be right back. Lou, one second, I'm coming, I'm starving. Yes, I will go with you to Magic City. Just hold on one second. I'm on the, I'm on the phone with my coach. I, um, no, it's not D'Antoni anymore. I don't know his name. Who's this again? James, this is Steve Silas. I'm your coach. One second. Lou, little baby, don't open that yet. Hold on one second. Yes, I did get you a very nice present. Well, it's your birthday. You, you love Prada. Yes, you do. Well, yes, I know it's a lot. Don't tell anyone. It's a $300,000 Prada. I know. Listen, I have a huge contract with the team I play for, the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm going to get an extension, too. I get to play with Durant again. Lou, Lou, one second. I Oh, I play for the... Hold on. I think I have a call. Hello? Um, James, it's still Coach Silas. 
I'm trying to understand one thing. We have training camp that started Saturday. I want to give you your space, but I need you at camp because the regular season starts really soon. Like today is December 8th. Two weeks from today is the season, James. So we need you. Uh, Coach, let me just tell you a couple things. Number one, it's called load management. We had a deep run in the playoffs with our old coach who was really good. And I just want to say that I'm not going to be playing early on in the season. Uh, James, you're aware, of course, that you have to play in nationally televised games. And we've got a bunch of those. But in non-nationally televised games, I can give you all the space you want because you don't necessarily have to play because you had so many minutes. I'm sorry, coach. I don't understand that new rule. Well, it's a memo, James, that we handed out at training camp, which started on Saturday and you haven't been there. But coach, I'm at a birthday party for a little baby and he's just about to open my second gift and it's stacks of cake, baby. And a watch. And I got someone waiting to get me food because I don't like this party food. So I, I don't have much more time for you. And by the way, that whole space word thing you said you're giving me, don't call this number again. Hold on one second. Don't go away, coach. Hey, it's James. Yeah. Um, could you please change my cell phone again? I told you every seven days I want the cell phone number changed. Every seven days. No, it's on mute. Yes, he did reach me. I'm on with the coach. I'm not going to training camp. I told you that. Get me to Brooklyn, God damn it. All right. Again, I want this number disconnected right now. Yes, there's no service in Magic City. I'm aware of that. When I get out of it, I'm going to be full and I'm going to want a new phone. Yeah. Coach, I'm back. Coach, let me just be clear how this is going to work. I don't want to be called. I don't want to be bothered. I'll tell you when I want to play in a game. I'll tell you during that game when I want to go in the game, when I want to come out of the game. I'll tell you when I want to rest. I'll tell you exactly what play I want to call. And here's the play. It's called isolation. Maybe I'll pass it. Maybe I won't. I'm going to lead the league in scoring again. And by the way, tell Daryl I want to go to Brooklyn. Um, James, Daryl Morey's no longer your GM. God dog dang it. Where is he? James, he's in Philadelphia. What? You let him go to Philadelphia and I just wanted to go to Brooklyn? Brooklyn? Nothing personal. Word of the day is space. What's going on in Houston, ladies and gentlemen? It's just a disaster. I don't know where the owner is. I don't know where the new GM is, but they've lost complete control of the team. And you cannot let your superstar do that. And and Coke and I talk about this and, and we disagree in a healthy way. Uh, it may not be that healthy. I understand the NBA is a star-driven team, a star, a star-driven league. Cut that. Can you just dub league for team there, Coca? Thank you. But even in a star-driven league, you've got to have some semblance of control over the stars. And this is not me making a political statement. This is not me saying, put your foot down on the man. This is me saying... If you want to win, you have to have a team. Basketball requires a team. Baseball is a lot more individual in its performances. Chemistry is a little bit more overrated in baseball. I would say winning breeds chemistry in baseball in a way that it doesn't in other leagues, with other teams, in other sports. Basketball requires chemistry from the beginning. 
because you are calling plays. There's a flow to an offense. There's help on defense. What happens when you call for help on defense and your teammate doesn't like you, doesn't want to help you on defense, wants to make you look bad? There have been examples after examples of teams that have simply imploded because of issues within the clubhouse, within the locker room in basketball. And Houston is just handling this wrong. And I feel for Steve Silas. He's wanted to be a first-time head coach forever. He's grown up in basketball, as you know. He's a quality coach. He has a baseball family. You remember his dad's name is Paul, great basketball player and coach. And this is what he inherits. It's like the booby prize. Anyway, how's it going to end? I'll tell you how it's going to end. It's going to end with James Harden leaving little baby's I don't know if you caught that in the phone call, but what James Harden was saying is he's at little baby's birthday party in hot Atlanta. And he thought that that would be a more important thing to do than go to training camp and run sprints and do the line. You know, what's it called uh, Coco when you, uh, I did this on all the teams I tried out for, but never was able to make in high school where you start at the end line, then you run to the free throw line and then back to the end line. Then you run to the half court line or the three point line and back half court back full court back. And they're called the uh, sprints of some sort. I don't know what they're called, Coca. Anyway, why? who would want to do that? It was such a short off season. You're already hearing people like LeBron talk about load management and people like James Harden and every other superstar. The NBA, what he was referring to on that call, by the way, is the NBA just gave out a memo about load management and what will happen. Just get ready that your local <clears throat> TV providers for the NBA, your local networks are not happy. The regional networks are being absolutely treated as second-class citizens. It's all about the national TV deal with the NBA. And what the NBA basically said is, we know you're tired. We're sorry. We know it was a short off season. If you played into October, and if which is crazy, that sounds like baseball, but that's the last basketball season. I think it ended like 70 days ago only. But if you played into October, or you had a deep run in the playoffs, or you are recovering from COVID, or, 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 You do not have to play back-to-back of a road game. You don't have to play if you've had three games and six nights or two games and five nights or one game and three nights, whatever the case may be. It's an entire set of rules that the NBA is doing. And I took a loss on a wait to see on this issue. And uh, I don't know why I did because it really turns into a win. Wait to see is when we say something's going to happen and either it does or it doesn't, but either way we revisit it. I had a wait to see on load management that I recall on a previous show on Nothing Personal where I said it's going to become a labor issue. And there's no question it has become a major labor issue. It is a negotiated settlement between the union and the owners on how to define load management, how to manage load management. Because these players, let's face it, the NBA players spend more time telling us fans why they don't want to play than spending time trying to figure out how to play. They are so focused on the postseason and it shows how watered down the NBA postseason is that the players themselves say, listen, you know, we're going to we're going to save it for May and June. That's the regular NBA postseason in a regular season that is an 82 game season that starts on time and ends on time, et cetera, back in the pre-COVID days. So the players themselves are informing fans what they should view as regular season importance which makes it hard when you're running a team because you're trying to sell the importance of a regular season game. There's only 41 home games. You want to sell out crowds. You want to make sponsors believe that it matters. You want to believe that your players care. But at the end of the day, they don't. And it's very frustrating. Not my problem anymore. 
What else happened in the world today that caught my fancy? Anyone watch the end of the Jets game against the Raiders? I did. The Las Vegas Raiders played the New York Jets. The Jets were 0-11 going in, playing Gruden and the, and the, uh, the Raiders. And the Jets were winning by a score of something to something. I want to say 28-24, but I think that's wrong. I think that was the final score after the Raiders scored, which means it may have been 24-21 or 24-whatever. Who cares? The point is the Jets lost on a last-second touchdown from their quarterback, uh, Coca. Derek Carr, is there a chance that's the quarterback for the Raiders? I highly doubt it, but that's in my head for whatever reason. So, correct, Derek Carr. Thank you, Coca. He threw a let's say 50 yard touchdown pass with 11 seconds left in the fourth quarter because the wide receiver got behind the defense and Carr put it in there and the Jets lost. So here's what was going on in my mind and why I didn't talk about it on Monday's show because today's Tuesday's show. I didn't think it was a big deal. The Jets are trying to lose. They want to lose. They need to lose. There's no reason to win. Literally, there's no reason to win. Maybe you want to avoid going 0-16, but why? There's no reason to. So at the end of the game, the Raiders are a better team. The defensive coordinator who calls the defense called a blitz, which means there were multiple people rushing the quarterback more than the normal amount. And when that happens, there are fewer players left to defend the pass which means there was no one playing near the end zone because you needed a touchdown to lose. In theory, you play defenders right in front of the end zone to make sure no matter what happens that the other team doesn't score. So the defensive coordinator decides to call a blitz. The players blitz. They don't get to the quarterback. The quarterback gets the pass off. The pass is caught. Touchdown. Players are upset, purportedly, calling out the defensive coordinator, the guy named Greg Williams, who's a name that you know. Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator for the team who did Bounty Gate, and I that may have been the Saints, but I probably have that wrong too. It was the God, my brain is, I am on all cylinders, Coca. All cylinders on Wednesday, December 9th. Uh, Tuesday, December 8th. Every one of the cylinders. Oh, God. Okay. All cylinders minus one. So I have a habit of eating certain things on certain days because it it sort of makes it easier for me to think about just like I have a rotation of blazers and shirts and, and underwear. It just makes it easier to get dressed. When you take the underwear that's on top and put it on, you take the pair of socks that's on top. And then when you do laundry, you put it on the bottom and it goes up the pile. This way you don't wear the same thing over and over. I do it with shirts and blazers. As you know, therefore, when I have a blazer, I know exactly this shirt was the shirt on the left. And this blazer was the blazer on the left of the blazers. And then at the end of the day, when I'm off the air, you put the blazer and hang it up to the right. You take the shirt, put it to the right, or put it in laundry, dry cleaning, whatever. So I do the same thing <clears throat> with food in that there's certain days that I eat certain foods just because I want to not eat too much of something. Imagine if I were a McDonald's guy, as an example. I would want to keep track. Yeah, I'm only going to eat McDonald's on the second of the month, or I'm going to eat McDonald's once every six months. I don't eat McDonald's at all, but I would assume anyone who is healthy, who eats McDonald's, would probably keep track of when they've had it last to make sure they don't eat it too much. So I was prepared today because I like the idea of having pizza on Wednesdays. And so I was all excited because I try to eat pizza at most once a week, but generally once every two weeks. And I'll sometimes do a cauliflower pizza instead of regular pizza. But I like the concept of pizza because that along with sushi are my two favorite foods. Well, candy is my true favorite food. 
Can you count candy as a food group? Yeah. So candy is my favorite food and then sushi and pizza. But anyway, to make a long story short, which at this point is totally impractical, if not impossible, I was ready for pizza today, which is why I assumed today was Wednesday, which is why I knew that Wednesday was December 9th, which is why I thought today was Wednesday, December 9th. But it's not. Now, the best part about that tangent is I have absolutely zero idea why I was talking about what day it is today. I do now because it's Tuesday the 8th. And the reason I didn't talk about the Jets game on Monday, which was the day it happened, the day after it happened, is that to me, the play by Greg Williams, the bounty gate guy from the Saints, the defensive coordinator working for Adam Gase, who, by the way, should absolutely have been fired long ago. And a wait to see is that he will be fired before the 21 season. It's that why would you fire your defensive coordinator after that game? And the Jets yesterday fired Greg Williams. So I had to talk about it today and I need to properly understand it because I don't get it. What happened yesterday or Sunday, excuse me, that made Woody Johnson over in the UK elbow the queen and say, ma'am, do you think I should do it? Do you think it's time? You do? No, no, it's the New York Jets. Yeah, that's the team. I'm joking. The queen doesn't care about the New York Jets. Woody Johnson doesn't care about the New York Jets. Chris Johnson, his brother, cares about the New York Jets. I'm not sure who else does. As a fan of the Jets, were you thinking that's it? That's the last straw. Or were you thinking, Greg Williams, you deserve a raise. And I'm going to speak to Jan and Marsha and Cindy, and I'm going to get you a raise. All right, I need to explain that because I mixed my metaphors. Barry Williams played Greg Brady on the Brady Bunch. And his sisters were Marsha Jan and Cindy Olson, who played the youngest Brady sister, whose name I can't remember. So I was trying to mix everything in, except it's Greg Williams, not Barry Williams. Okay, let me go back. So Greg Williams did his job, and there are Jets fans who are applauding him, saying, my God, we almost won a game. We, we needed to lose. We should have lost, and that was perfect. Way to go, Greg. You deserve a raise. Why would it be that the management would wake up and say, no, no, that's the final straw. So I think I have the answer and I want to explain what management does after a win or a loss and what bad management does is they read the paper. They read the blogs, they get on social media and there was an outcry about the disgracefulness of that play call by Greg Williams. There was an outcry about the result of the game. There was no defending it by Adam, the coach, which you're supposed to do. You defend your coaches, you take responsibility I didn't hear a word, and Coke, I may have missed it, but I didn't hear a word from Adam saying, hey, I'm responsible. I knew that at that point in the game, we were going to call a blitz, and I'm okay with it. Or I didn't know he was going to do a blitz, but I have the back of my coach. But it seems like a sellathon there in East Rutherford, New Jersey, a franchise in total disarray, and now a defensive coordinator fired because they went to 0-12 and lost a game at the last second. When you run your own team one day, folks, do not, do not stray from your course of success because you are getting pressured by fans or by media or by your locker room because none of them understand the global goals, the macro goals that you have for your team. 
And by the way, if the Jets did not have a goal of getting the first pick in the draft, then they're just simply incompetent. And I always want to see the best. I'm a bottle half full kind of guy. And no, it's not frozen. And yes, it is under 32 degrees in this room right now. All right, Coca. I think we have to get serious about a subject right now. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. You know what's funny about getting serious about a subject? And then we play that clip. That is from a movie called Half Baked, which is a movie starring Dave Chappelle about a bunch of drug dealers of which Samson is the ultimate. And everyone wants to talk to Samson to get advice, to get drugs, et cetera. And so we do a segment here on Nothing Personal where we say, hey, if you want to talk to Samson, put a question in Twitter at David P. Samson, follow, and uh, I'll answer the question if it's part of the show, which this one is. So you want to talk to Samson. The question went like this. Can you explain the lawsuit by Major League Baseball against the insurance companies and say what will happen? I'd be happy to. I love talking about lawsuits. I love being sued. I love it. It's great because everyone thinks you did something wrong, but you didn't. Here's what's going on in Major League Baseball. And it's a doozy. And when I explain it, I'm afraid that people are going to think that I am cynical and I am management and owner only. But I just done nothing personal. We tell you the truth about what's happening. We'll bring you behind the scenes and give you examples of you being misled by things in the media. Here we go. Major League Baseball and its 30 teams sued multiple insurance companies trying to recover lost revenue because of the pandemic. So I'm going to bring it down into very simple terms. When you run a company, you take insurance Part of that insurance is called business interruption insurance. If something happens that interrupts your business and you lose business because of it. So here's an example. In New York, when they were building the Second Avenue subway, they basically shut down parts of Second Avenue in stretches. Storefronts on Second Avenue that were completely blocked by the building of a subway basically could not do business because People on the street, either finding that store by accident, by walking by it, or having it as a destination, there'd be no way to access that business. Therefore, they would get insurance, which is called business interruption. Our business has been interrupted. We normally do 25 manicures per day. We have been interrupted for 10 days. That's 250 manicures at a profit of $20 a manicure. Give us five grand. Okay. So that is a way to possibly collect money from an insurance company. Hold on one second, please. Excuse me. I was trying to take that call very quickly. Excuse me for that interruption. Thank you very much. So business interruption is when you pay a premium to an insurance company, your business gets interrupted, you then appeal to your insurance company, this is what I lost, and your insurance company pays you. 
if only two plus two would equal four. What a dream that would be. Insurance companies, in my experience, are very happy to take your premium and very unhappy to pay you out on a policy. Anytime we have had to get money from an insurance company to cover legal fees, to cover salary of a player who had been injured, to take care of anything that insurance would take care of, it is a fight. It requires litigation. It requires the threat of litigation. It requires negotiation. It's a nightmare. But the premium, they send you an envelope and the envelope says, please pay a million dollars by this date. If you're over by a day, we're charging you penalties. It always made me crazy with my CFO, our CFO talking about paying insurance company premiums. MLB has lost billions of dollars by having nobody in the stands, by only playing 60 games instead of 162, by paying the players their full pro rata salary for those 60 games, by losing out on concession, food, beverage, merchandise, parking, by losing out on broadcast revenue, both national and local. I could go on and on, and MLB has. MLB has been very smart about this. They have done a campaign, not a PR campaign, but a campaign of information dissemination. The information dissemination is as follows. It goes team by team where you get little nuggets of loss. The Phillies come out and say they lost 145. The Cubs come out and say Theo retired because we have to cut payroll and non-tender players. The Reds say we're trading our closer, Iglesias, to the Angels because we've got to cut payroll. Every team is communicating with its players and with the agents. We can't pay you as much as you want or feel you deserve because we don't have the money. Major League Baseball has a union that doesn't believe one word that the owners say. The owners say we don't have money. The players say you've got plenty of money. You're hiding money. You make money in 12 different places. Don't tell me you don't have money. MLB says, I have an idea. We are going to start a lawsuit against an insurance company claiming that we want to be repaid for all of our losses due to COVID. We are going to detail in a statement what those losses are. And the union will read that. The fans will read that. And they will start to realize that as we head into the collective bargaining agreement negotiation, as we head into a negotiation regarding the 2021 season, as we head into a negotiation regarding whether the universal DH will continue or run around second base and extra innings, as we get into these negotiations, we will get to say, hey, listen, we're suing our insurance company. That's how bad it is. Well, you're listening to nothing personal. You now know that it is absolute, simple posturing. MLB has zero interest in going to court against its insurance company. They have zero interest in anything other than making sure that the players union understands that they are not going to give in to them, period, in any way. The reason why I know this to be the case is when you have a lawsuit, there's something called discovery. Discovery is when each side gets to look 
at the other side. And all of its emails, all of its papers, all of its documents, all of its pricing. Let's go back to the salon where I told you that they got business interruption insurance on 2nd Avenue. 25 appointments a day, 20 bucks a manicure. They call the insurance company, say, pay me my money. Do you know what the insurance company does? They say, hold on one quick second. Let's take a look at your books. I want to see proof that you do 25 a day under normal circumstances. And on top of that, I want to see proof that you actually get $20 for every manicure. Then show me over a monthly and then annual basis because the subway was built in December and that's winter. I believe you've got fewer walk-ins during the winter than you do during the summer. Are you with me on what my point is? The point is the insurance company is going to dig deep because they don't like to pay. So MLB sends a memo to their insurance company. Dear sir and ma'am, or however you want to be referred, my name is Commissioner Rob Manford. And on behalf of all 30 clubs, I would like to tell you that we lost several billion dollars. Love, Rob. Well, the insurance company will write back, Dear Rob, thank you so much for your claim that you lost several billion dollars. We're going to need the following info. We're going to need the books from every one of the teams in Major League Baseball. Then we're going to need to see the other books, the secret books, the books from revenue received outside of the scope of revenue sharing in Major League Baseball. Love the insurance company. Dear insurance company, what do you mean by that? Well, let me give you an example. If you are the New York Mets and claiming that the New York Mets lost $100 million, if the Mets hired me, it would take me two minutes to arrange the books to show that the Mets lost $100 million. I could change around some silos of money, take some revenue out of one silo, add some expenses in, put the revenue somewhere else. Nothing illegal, nothing unsavory, not to avoid tax, not to do anything like pretending that the partnership has lost money or made money, not any of those things. All of them would withstand an audit. But I can easily weave a story that I've got X number of dollars of losses because the Mets can claim they're losing $100 million as a baseball team, but then they own their network called SNY. And if SNY made $125 million because they didn't have to pay such a big rights fee to the Mets because there were only 60 games, then Sportsnet New York, which is still getting cable fees and subscription fees because they haven't refunded them yet, which by the way, they should be because we didn't get Mets games. Not that I wanted Mets games, but in any case, I can show a profit of 125 million on my left hand, a loss of 100 million in my right hand. I have both hands. Hello. And I'm up 25 million. But I can say with a straight face to an insurance company, my name is the New York Mets baseball team. I lost a hundo pay me my money. Now, does that sound unethical? Not at all. It's not unethical. There's nothing wrong with it at all. 
It's not even creative accounting. It's what anybody does and everybody does when you are running a business. If you don't have a way to do it, then you can't do it. When we ran the Marlins, we didn't have 20 different revenue streams. We didn't own land around the Marlins Park. We didn't own a network. We didn't have a business, a development business where we could funnel money through. It was simply the business of baseball. And it was not a very good business on an operating business, but obviously it was on a long-term appreciation business. So MLB has zero interest in having the insurance company look at all the books because that's what the union wants. They want to see the books. The union has been dying to see how much money teams actually make, how much the losses actually are, because in a lot of ways, they believe that there should be some sort of revenue share although baseball offered that and the players say no because they view that as a salary cap because the union is so silly. They view, let me me explain that concept, Coco, one second, if you don't mind. Can we go off the board for one second? The reason why the union doesn't want to share revenue the way NBA does and NFL does is that that then creates a salary cap. The NBA is a salary cap because let's just pretend it's 50-50 revenue sharing. For every dollar of revenue that exists in the NBA, that is basketball-related income, and there's all sorts of definitions, 50 cents of that goes to the players. So it's in the player's best interest to improve and increase that basketball-related income. And in return, basketball owners get a salary cap. Now, in baseball, the union has been so, so vigorously against a salary cap that they do not want to ever engage in a revenue share because they believe those concepts are married. And I agree. I always wanted a salary cap. I never wanted a salary floor, though I do realize those concepts come together. I was always fine with the salary cap. Baseball, in fact, does have a pseudo salary cap, which is in the form of the luxury tax threshold, which, as you know, all sorts of teams try to avoid. But from a player's standpoint, the benefit of a salary cap would be far more disclosure to them of baseball-related income. And there would be a far bigger, uh, shall I say, information dump that would happen as part of a deal that would include a salary cap that would include some sort of revenue sharing. So I guess my point is that baseball players don't really understand what they want and baseball owners take advantage of that fact and have done very well in collective bargaining over the over the years for the simple reason that baseball players are far more interested in things that owners actually don't care about. But this year, we have an issue and the issue is owners are getting crushed and they're not able to move revenue around and change the silos because while they may not be losing as much as they want you to think they're losing, the losses are real. They are significant. And the way to get that back is not through insurance. It's not going to happen. But this is a great sort of opening salvo to get what they really need to help curb their losses and to help increase and help their cash flow. And that is by getting concessions from the players. So I guess my answer to your question is the lawsuit by MLB against the insurance companies is part of a larger strategy that involves labor. What will happen is that there will not, it will not go to court under any scenario. There could be some sort of settlement, maybe because the insurance company may not want to spend money doing that discovery that baseball wouldn't let them do anyway. But the reality is that this is a type of lawsuit that just sort of hangs around, hangs around. Nothing ever really comes of it. 
But what baseball is truly focused on and interested in is what's going to happen going into the 2021 season. And by the way, you're already reading a lot of that posturing. You're seeing MLB tell the public and tell its teams, wink, wink, don't plan for a universal DH because we're not going to have it in 2021. Well, here's a way to see, Coca. Book it. In 2021, I guarantee you there will be DH in the National League. Owners want it. Players want it. But owners can't admit they want it because they're using it to negotiate right now because, in theory, a DH makes more money than the 26th man on your roster, like an Ozuna or a Nelson Cruz or a Mitch Moreland, guys who are going to be DHs for sure. They make more money than a minimum player. So there's no way baseball is just going to give that without getting something in return. So what baseball does is they release a statement and they tell other owners, wink, wink, get ready, no GM. But believe me, that's a straight wink, wink. Wait to see. There will be a universal DH in 2021. All right, when we come back, we are going to review a movie with Paul Bettany, who you may know from A Beautiful Mind. Paul Bettany plays Uncle Frank in a movie called Uncle Frank. And we are also going to get to what's going on in Japan, which I want to quickly mention as well. Make it through. You can do it. We'll be right back. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sams. And you've reached me on Tuesday, December 8th. And we're going to review a movie like we do every day. Love watching movies. I watch a movie every single day. It's easy when you don't get a lot of sleep. There's a lot of hours in a day. It's amazing what you can get done when you don't require a third of your day to be spent with your eyes closed. It really is amazing. So there's a movie that came out, and I don't know. I think it's on... It's either on Amazon. I think it's on Amazon, but I'm not sure, Coca. It is on Amazon. It's called Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank is a movie that we need to talk about. It stars Paul Bettany and Margot Martindale. Margot Martindale plays his mother. And Uncle Frank is a, literally, that's what he is. He's an uncle back in the uh, 70s. And he's gay. And his father is played by Stephen Root, who was the man in the high castle, literally the man in the high castle. And it is a movie about a family. Steve Zahn is in the movie, too, playing a serious role. Steve Zahn from Saving Silverman. Steve Zahn is trying to become a serious actor, and he actually performs really well in this movie. So what happens is that the story goes that the father was so 
What's the right word, Coco? What's in my head right now? What's the word for uh, a, a person who intolerant? The father was so intolerant of his son being homosexual, basically told his son that he's going to rot in hell and that God will never forgive him and that he's a disgrace. And Uncle Frank was basically trying when he was a kid to ungay himself, which of course is absurd. You have to be who you are. You have to be true to who you are. And you have to believe that who you are is good enough for everybody. And if not, it doesn't matter because it's good enough for me. But the problem is when you're a young man and your father, who in theory is your role model, becomes an, a bigot and a hater it's hard not to have that ruin your life. And when Uncle Frank was young, his life almost got ruined because he wanted to please his racist, intolerant father. Uncle Frank grows up with skeletons. He grows up with memories. And then the movie takes a turn when in a scene that will haunt me, because it is so memorable and disturbing. And it's not violent. It's not a horror movie. It is a scene at the reading of a will when there's a death. That's obviously when a will gets read. And Uncle Frank is told in no uncertain terms how people feel about him while he's been trying to keep this secret from his family and friends forever. It is a beautiful movie. It is a difficult movie. It is a intelligent movie. It is a well-written movie. It's a sad movie. It is important to watch it because when you're done watching Uncle Frank, I hope that you will throw away all of your prejudices and understand that how people want to live is really up to them. And if it doesn't really impact you, which in 99 out of 100 circumstances it doesn't, then live and let live. It's perfectly fine. And we went through a history in our, it's still going on, where, where the level of intolerance toward anyone who's different is razor thin. And I don't get that. I want people to be different. It makes it more interesting to me. It makes it more exciting to me. Can you imagine living in a place like the Stepford Wives where everyone is the same? God, that's boring. Uncle Frank, check it out. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. We nailed it. We nailed the fact that if the Niners are going to be home underdogs in their new place in Arizona, or maybe they were home favorites, whatever the case is, we took the Bills and the Bills won. I think the Bills were plus one over the Niners in Arizona. And I love that. We're now 37 and 32. We have a football game today on Tuesday. I cannot keep track of when football games are. It's like they're every day of the week. I think we might as well make them every day of the week because why not? Everyone watches them. It's the Ravens against the Cowboys. The Ravens are giving eight to the Cowboys. The Cowboys are only a game and a half behind the Washington football team who beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. By the way, the Miami Dolphins got to drink last night, the 72 Dolphins. No more, no more undefeated teams. The Steelers lost to the WFTs. 
The Giants won. The Giants and the WFTs are five and seven. The Cowboys are three and eight. This is a must win for the Cowboys. The Ravens are also having their own issues, as you know, from last week and the whole COVID situation. This is a give me game. There's obviously something going on here, but the Ravens are minus eight. Maybe Prescott's back. Maybe that's why the Ravens are only giving eight to the Cowboys. If Dak Prescott is playing tonight, then you should take the Ravens minus eight. If Dak Prescott is not playing tonight, you should take the Ravens minus eight. No matter what you do, take the Ravens minus eight. We're 37 and 32 going for a 38th win. Okay, the MLB winter meetings are going on right now. During the winter meetings, they're virtual. And I think that's going to be a wave of the future. We'll talk about that throughout the course of this week. What's going on? There's some trades. We talked about that early in the show. But there is now a Japanese pitcher who actually pitched in the World Baseball Classic. I think he pitched the semifinal game uh, for Japan against the U.S. And he is now being posted by his team, the Yomiri Giants. Back in the old days, when a player like Dice K was coming out or a player like uh, Hideki Mitsui or uh, the great Japanese players, there would be a posting where teams would bid and they could bid an unlimited amount, which means that only the big revenue teams, the rich teams would get these great Japanese players like the Red Sox got Dice K or the Yankees would get Masahiro Tanaka or, or anybody. Well, the posting system has now changed and they did that, baseball did, to make it so anybody, no matter whether you're the Marlins or whether you're the Yankees, anybody could try to be in the market for this talent. What they don't realize is that it takes a large revenue team to have the manpower or the people power to scout properly all over the world. We were never able to properly invest in Japan because we weren't going to spend the money to sign the players out of Japan because we were going to focus on the Dominican and Venezuela because we're Miami and it was close to us and that made sense. There are teams who have full-time scouts and full-time programs of people who are in Japan looking. Obviously, with technology these days, it's easier to scout. With the lack of travel, everyone's in the same position. It's actually leveled the playing field. The rules of posting have changed, so it's pretty simple. Whatever you offer this player, and his name is Tomoyuki Sugano. He's a 31-year-old pitcher. He's an outstanding pitcher, but he's past his prime. In Major League Baseball, if you're bringing in a 31-year-old pitcher and everybody needs pitching, you're not going to give him more than a three-year deal. And even that, during this day and age, when teams are trying to cut payroll while they're looking for pitching, to take an unproven guy out of Japan is something I would never tell our owner to do. No matter how bad our pitching was, no matter how much I believe that pitcher may help us, I can't promise it. And we've got to give him a major league contract because he's not going to come without a major league deal. And the posting fee is actually correlated to the amount of the major league contract. So there's a formula that works, but let's say you sign a guy for $20 million in a major league contract, a three-year deal at $7 million a year, that's $21 million. The fee is based, it would be 20% of that $21 million. So you'd have to give $4 million to the uh, Giants in Japan, $21 million to the player. You're out $25 million. You've got an unproven pitcher at 31 years old. I just don't think it's good business. And I think that that's going to be the interesting part about this post that the Yomir Giants have done, where it used to be a huge boon to the finances of a team in Japan. It is simply not that way anymore because MLB did a strong negotiation against the Japanese professional leagues and changed the posting system. But teams are looking for pitching 
And when they do the math, it's very simple because of this posting system and the formula. They will go to their owner and they will say, okay, here's what we have to pay. Help me decide because I don't care if we get a Japanese pitcher or an American pitcher or a Korean pitcher or a Dominican pitcher. At the end of the day, we need pitching and it's just business. Sorry, Giants. It's nothing personal. 